Rachel Needle from Talking With Tech. And I'm Chris Bouguet from Talking With Tech. We have a podcast dedicated to augmentative and alternative communication, all things related to helping kids with complex communication needs. If you have a passion for helping people with language disabilities, this is the show for you. Each episode features an interview or a roundtable discussion on a topic related to augmentative communication and helping people with language disabilities. And we're really passionate about giving practical strategies to clinicians working in the field who are working with children or adults, anything related to AAC. So you can look us up on iTunes or you can find us on Facebook. We've got a group over there or check out our website at bit.ly slash TWT podcast. Please join our community of professionals that are working to ensure that everyone can say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it. Please listen carefully. What is communication? An essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. Communication is a lifeline. It's just connection with other people. Connecting people in terms of ideas, thoughts, or needs. Draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families without it being lost. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science, episode 93. Proud members of the Exceptional Podcast Network. I'm Matt Hot, and I'm excited because a long-lost member of the show has returned. It's Michael McLeod. <laughs> What's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, man. I'm good. How was your Facebook Live and traveling across the country? It was good. It was a good time. I, I, I was able to uh, to meet up with uh, the Focus Foundation, which is a great group that I do a lot of work with. Uh, it was nice. It was it was it was a really good trip. Uh, able to to see some people that I haven't seen in a while and and reconnect with a couple of groups and some families. So it's always nice to kind of get out of uh, Philly for a while. There you go. Yep. And then the true heavy lifter of the show, Michelle Wintering. Nah, <laughs> I think that's probably more Matt Hot. But thank you. <laughs> Hey man, you've got the you've got to raise a newborn, live near a military base, do interviews. You're the heavy lifter of the show. I will give it a shot. I like I like the credit sometimes, but no, <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm doing well. I just have a a uh, no no longer newborn that is thankfully sleeping. I almost got on here a little late with you guys, um, and if I disappear, he might come back sitting on my lap for the recording, but that's okay. <laughs> I understand when this show airs, my two and a half year old will now be three. But before all that, we get into anything fun. We want to talk to you at home. Make sure you head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. That'll take you to all of our back shows. And from there, you can also find our patreon.com slash speech science podcast, or give us a text or a phone call 614-681-1798. Email of, of course, speech science podcast at gmail.com. Com. Guys, another episode is dropped in our laps. I'm excited for this one. But before we get into anything, let's recount our weeks. Uh, I'll start because today I got six and a half hours of no kids to just do progress reports. I started at 745. I ended at 305 and my day ended at 315. I think I finally officially used my time uh, correctly. Hey, nice. So was it a, a work day for you all? It was. Uh, when we're recording this, it is either Columbus Day or Indigenous People Day, depending on what your city, state, or 
affiliation uses. So we worked and our kids got to enjoy a three-day weekend. My wife took my son to the Lego store in Columbus while I slaved over a hot computer drinking Arnold Palmer's and Coca-Cola's while typing out uh progress reports isn't it amazing how much you can get done when no one is bothering you <laughs> or you don't have That's other right. um, uh, other patients to see to break it up i loved it other than that i've had a pretty easy weekend let's start with the man who's been a man of mystery michael mcleod fill us in briefly what's been going on so you you met with a couple of your groups and you just kind of traveled everywhere yeah i work with a um i I guess it's called a nonprofit. I I would suppose I'm not sure. It's definitely a nonprofit, but it's a group down in Annapolis, Maryland, called the Focus Foundation, uh, that works with uh, boys and girls with various chromosomal disorders, mm-hmm. um, and uh, many of them uh, appear with very uh, similar symptoms, such as apraxia of speech, as well as executive dysfunction. Uh, so I work uh, on both the speech side with the apraxia. A lot of them require AAC devices as well and as well as the executive dysfunction side of things. So a lot of work directly with the families, uh, really uh, answering questions and things like that. So it's really one of those very rare diagnoses that parents receive. Mm -hmm. So they really want to speak to uh, specialists uh, that really understand um, uh, really the profile of the student and really the best best way to go because um, there's some some really great new techniques in terms of – treating the young boys with uh, testosterone treatments and things like that. Uh, and, and it's shown to be incredibly beneficial. Uh, but it's one of those things that parents hear immediately and think, oh, we need more information on this. Uh, you know, what are the possible side effects, these sorts of things. So having one group of specialists is very, very valuable to these families. And uh, to be a part of it is amazing. And uh, all the, uh, the fellow doctors and OTs and PTs there uh, it's just an, an incredible. So how'd you get hooked up with that? Um, they do a lot of work in Philadelphia as well. So we've, we've met each other through uh, IEP meetings and, uh, and various other groups. Uh, so we pretty much connected here in Philly. Nice. Yep. Well, that is a pretty cool, Mike. You are doing noble work and I salute you, sir. That is pretty awesome. Oh, thank you so much. Michelle? You have to follow that. What have you I been know. up to? Last week I had to follow you, Matt, and your awesome stories. Um, no, I, nothing nothing too crazy here. Speech therapy and evaluations at, at the outpatient clinic I'm at. And um, fall break in a lot of the districts around here is a week or even two weeks, which is um, a unique schedule that I'm not used to. But um, I was able to get in some extra sessions with a few of my kids who weren't traveling or gone for their breaks. And um, you know, hanging out with baby speech science and enjoying it actually feeling like fall this week in the Midwest, Northern part of the South, I guess, where I live. <laughs> like, I'm not I, sure. I don't know. I don't know what's been going on without in Philly, Mike, but here in Cincinnati, and I'm assuming it's been down the same thing down in your way, Michelle, mm-hmm. we had temperatures that were finally in the fifties and sixties as highs. And it was wonderful. It's fantastic. I just want to wear my boots and scarves and sweaters. Ugh. No. No. I'm not. Yeah, no. I don't think so. I like the cold weather. Bring me the cold weather. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. 
<laughs> I I will sleep with the windows open in snow. Hey guys, October is AAC Awareness Month, and the interview for today, uh, I got to talk to the developers of the Lyra app. It is an AAC app uh, that they developed for their child, and we're are hoping that it helps other students. So, uh, in part of AAC Awareness Month, we're going to run with that. Also. Who's heard of using oral motor exercises and no research? We're going to talk about tongue strength in children with and without speech si or speech sound disorders. Hey, Michelle, don't give me that look. It is in the uh, American Journal of Speech Language Pathology. It's real research. Uh, we're also going to talk about why Mike's... I didn't say it wasn't I, real research. I know. <laughs> we're going to talk about why Mike's state of Pennsylvania has to rethink their funding formula. And Hugh Grant says the movie theaters are way too loud but first, I love when articles just drop themselves in our laps. Uh, a week and a half ago, it was PDPM, and that dropped into our lap for two episodes. This week, it's ABA and the Arizona Speech and Language Pathology uh, group. Have you guys been following this at all? I just saw this yesterday for the first time. So did Mike? I. So did I. Same thing. Yep. So I reached out to a couple of my contacts in Arizona, and basically this all started uh, on the back burner. It's been burning for a while that ABA therapists are billing and trying to bill and, and trying to evaluate and treat for communication uh, disorders and, and, and such. And I guess there is a proposal that says ABA services are medically necessary when the when there are specific and objectively defined target behaviors impacting the member's development, communication, or ability to access or participate in their environment or community. Uh, the SLP community got up into a big uproar because of that little word communication, because guess what, guys? Communication is the scope of the SLPs, right? It certainly is. There's no doubt about it. It's a big meaning in a little word. <laughs> and if you talk to an ABA, they say all behavior is communication, and that is why they are allowed to evaluate. That's what they will say. But ASHA dropped the hammer uh, on September 19th. This is when this article, this is when this letter hit, but it kind of hit Facebook yesterday, which would be October 13th or October 12th, where uh, they're saying remove the word communication from that and we don't have a problem keep the word communication in and now you've got an encroachment on our scope of practice i love this why do you love it because i so the, the asha president dr sherry robertson we've had her on the show before my biggest thing is is that no one cares about our scope of practice OTs don't care about our scope of practice. PTs don't care about our scope of practice. ABA don't care about our scope of practice. The only people that should and do care about our scope of practice are SLPs. And if we don't set perimeters to define our role in both the medical and the school field, we won't have jobs in 15 years. And I don't think I'm trying to be too overdramatic, but when, I, when ABA says they can look at communication, when occupational therapy says that they can handle dysphagia and swallowing, Yep. We're running out of areas that we are experts in, and you're going to see our field shrink back into articulation experts. Um, OT looks at executive functioning now. And that's not to say that there's not a part that is occupational therapy. And that is not to say that behavior should not be looked at ABA. But we need to define our scope of practice. 
And it's refreshing to see our national organization not just send out a letter saying, hey, guys, mm-hmm. step backwards. It literally says, drop the word communication. And you're, you're going to share this this letter, right? Yes, I'll have a link up to it. Link and up. I think it's blowing up on a lot of the different SLP Facebook groups as well. So if you don't mind, I'll, I'll read the sentence mm-hmm. they're talking about in the proposed Arizona healthcare cost containment system, medical policy manual section, blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. um, it says ABA services are medically necessary when there are specific and objectively defined target behaviors impacting the member's development and communication or ability to access or participate in their environment or community. And so obviously the word we're talking about that ASHA has stated now in Arizona, they would like removed from that statement is the word communication. So that it would just say impacting a member's development or ability to access or participate in their environment or community. I'm shaking my head. You can't hear that rattle on the airways. I apologize. But I think it, it makes sense because that is more specific. If you throw in communication, I realize that communication is part of behavior. I've said that in IEP meetings, they're communicating through their behavior. You know, I've mm-hmm. used that phrase, but we are, and we have to advocate for ourselves. Like we advocate for our students and our patients and our clients and whatever you want to call them in whichever setting you're in, we have to advocate for our profession and say, mm-hmm. this is our area of expertise and that word is very important. Uh, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services has indicated that treatment for speech, hearing, and language disorders for individuals with ASR- ASD are to be provided under the direction of an SLP or an audiologist. CMS also states that ABA is only one treatment modality for ASD, and they do not endorse or require any single treatment modality for ASD. Again, though, this all comes down to funding dollars, and when your pie is getting cut up, exponentially every organization is going to fight for their dollars and i love that arizona or asha has stepped in to help the slps over in arizona yep and i think that is where you know we have we said this in the last podcast we have to advocate in our our individual states and it seems like someone connected (laughs) in you know in arizona policy right Mm -hmm. brought this to the attention of asha and that's a good time also to plug for episode 100 in seven weeks will be the Arizona super, uh, state superintendent who is also an SLP and she'll be interviewed on the show. Uh, sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, I have definitely mentioned a few times, uh, definitely that we see oftentimes on on Facebook, people uh, complaining about ASHA, really saying, what do they do? What are the positive benefits of ASHA? Well, here we go. The, you know, this is this is a time where ASHA can really advocate for us. And uh, and that letter about ABA has been spread all over Facebook. And I think this is a good example of uh, some of the positive work they can do to really advocate for us. It is blown up. That is for sure. We want to hear from you, though. Are you advocating in your state? What is your thought on this? What is your thought on the impact of ABA? Well, we threw it up on our webs- on our Facebook group, uh, facebook.com slash speech science podcast, and got a couple of likes and shares. So I assume they like our message as well as Ash's message. But we want to hear from you. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. Email us, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. Or give us a phone call, 614-681-1798. Or hashtag it. SS Pod. Mike and Michelle, when's the last time you've been to the movies? This past weekend. What'd you see? Joker. Michelle? 
The last movie I went to was The New Incredibles when I was still pregnant. Aww. So nice. been a while. <laughs> nice. Yep. I I have a movie subscription and it is to one of the national ones and I don't they don't sponsor us so I'm not going to mention it right now. And so I go to the movies probably once or twice a month. Mm-hmm. And I'm might be getting older, but there are times when I go to the movies and I feel that it's a little too loud. What do you guys think? I agree. I definitely agree, especially during some movies like war movies. Mm-hmm. It definitely gets way too loud. Like I remember that movie Dunkirk. That yes. movie was crazy loud. Yeah, and Michelle? I've specifically selected seats away from where I know that they're uh, the farthest I can get because it, it is overwhelming sometimes. Uh, my theater down here has seats. I'm sorry, the movie theater has over 100 speakers is how they talk about it. And some of them are under your seats. And for big explosions, it is deafening. Uh, there's an article coming out of The Guardian. Uh, do you guys know who Hugh Grant is? Am I too old to know who Hugh Grant is? Does he have a British accent? He does. He was like... I think I know who that is. He was like the guy for the longest time. Yes, I know who he is. He was the president in love, actually. Yes, thank you. That's what it was. Well, he is saying that Uh, movies... Prime minister, sorry. I'm sorry, prime minister, yeah. (laughs) But he is saying that, (laughs) that movies are just too loud. He says that uh, when he went to go see Joker, it was, quote, pointless. The joke was on us. And then he says, am I old or is the cinema much too loud in his Twitter account? And he brings up a good point. Uh, Movie theaters have been pushing the envelope on how much sound they can put into us and how much they can make it a surround sound experience. Uh, Movie theaters say they try to keep it below 85 decibels, but at times, if it goes out of compliance, it is over 85 decibels in in strength. Wow. I did not know that. I feel like I should bring my my earplugs now to tone it down in the movie theaters. According to DangerousDecibels.com, a bulldozer that is idling is loud enough at 85 decibels that it can cause permanent damage after only eight hours standing next to it. So not permanent damage for a two and a half hour long movie at 85 decibels. But when's the last time you thought about standing next to a bulldozer in your movie theater? Did you say DangerousDecibels.com? DangerousDecibels.com. They say typical conversations are about 60 to 65 decibels. Um, Music can range out of 100 decibels. And a clap of thunder from a nearby storm is 120. And a gunshot is 140 to 190 decibels. Uh, I reached out to a doctor of audiology uh, who has a background in film. Uh, He would like to remain anonymous at this point. But he says... Uh, they definitely should, they being movie theaters, should stay below 80 decibels. I think it sounds bad, too, because when it's turned up so loud, it's pushing the limits of the speakers. And at that point, all you're doing is going for effect versus uh, improvement of the film. He makes a good point. But you know what, guys? I've never thought about it. But, yeah, I've thought about, Michelle, that I wanted to bring my uh, HD earplugs into the movie theaters before. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not even kidding. I've thought about wearing my earplugs to a Zumba class I've been to because the music was so loud before. Oh, that means you are getting loud, Michelle. I'm getting old. Or getting I'm old, saying. getting old. Old and loud. Old and loud. I have to talk louder. Old yeller. I can't hear myself. But I want you guys to think about that. That was a nice little palate cleanser 
for the Asha. Coming up after the break, I talk to the developers of the Lyra app, and we all want to hear from you. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. Email speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to Speech Science. Do you have an idea for a product or book? Or are you ready to go beyond in-service presentations? Well, how do you get started? And what if you don't have any business experience at all? Well, I have some great news for you. I'm Mailing Chan, and I'm getting the nitty-gritty stories from parents, teachers, therapists, advocates, and people with disabilities who have created successful businesses, and they're sharing their intimate stories with you. Listen to us on the Exceptional Leaders Podcast and fast-track creating and building and sharing your idea with the world so that you can help more people. Welcome back to Speech Science. I'm Matt Hott. Joined today, all the way from across the pond, March Rogers. Very nice to be here. Thank you. And out in New Jersey, Cat Noon. Hey, thanks for having us. And the reason you're on is because you guys have created a AAC app called Lyra. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. It's a uh, it's a symbol to speech app designed specifically for children with autism. So. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of it, let's just do a quick, who are you? And then why did you come around to do this? And I guess, March, we'll start with you because you emailed me first. <laughs> sure, sure. So um, so I'm a dad. I have two kids. And my uh, my 10-year-old daughter was diagnosed with autism when she was two. And she she's pretty nonverbal. She's, um, uh, she has a lot of uh, challenges with verbal communication. And so really, since the beginning of when we started um, speech therapy with her, we have been uh, really focused on on her communication skills. And so through that process, we've used kind of almost every um, uh, sort of AAC and specifically simple to speech um, tool that you can you can find. Um, and it was always really hard for us to find a find a match for her. We definitely have and she has come leaps and bounds from where she was. Um, and, and a lot of that is to do with really great sort of speech therapists sort of um, building plans for us around that. Um, but, uh, but we always felt like there was something that could be um, more well-suited for her and for kids like her. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's where we came from. And it, uh, the name of the app, Lyra, is named after our daughter, whose name is also Lyra. And then, Kat, how did you get involved with this? It's a wild ride from start <laughs> to finish. So I actually started... Um, um, after college, I, I worked in uh, special ed for quite some time for in New York City for the Department of Ed and, and private sector, and um, worked predominantly with uh, children with autism and and in ABA rooms and and you know bouncing to and from, but specifically focused on early intervention. And um, even then, you know, we saw how and this was feels like eons ago now, we saw how archaic this, this method was. And, and it felt like, you know, given the direction that technology was going, that this could be far more advanced and, um, and there was nothing really out there. And, you know, fast forward, you know, a few years, I ended up in the world of design and then fast forward a few more years, uh, met March through the internet somehow. Um, I think it was Twitter somehow. Um, yeah. And, Worlds collide forward. He's working with uh, my husband at at Microsoft, and you know, at one point um, we were all in the same city, and and you know, we got to talking about it, you know, both of our worlds and experience and how there could be more. And we said, you know, let's do it. 
let's actually be the ones to do it if nobody else is going to let's do it yeah so this has been a, a passion project for us because we all sort of have you know uh day jobs to, to keep the lights on um and so we've sort of been we have a small team of of five people who've been working on this and just sort of gradually building it up over the last couple of years doing the research um exploring different designs and actually building out the app and, and we just launched it last month there was a study that I read uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe about two months now, and it mm -hmm. said that 3% of all eligible AAC or speech generating device users have access to a device, which means that 97% wow. of people who would benefit from it don't have one for either personal reasons or can't afford one or, or et cetera. Right. And I find it interesting that we live in such a really cool time where the technology is finally catching up to the needs of our populations, our, our students, our children, our parents. What made you guys decide on the the flow of the app? It looks like for, and I'll have a link, it's getlyra.com, but it looks very similar to what we in speech therapy would look at maybe like a PEX board where you've got categories and the different pictures. What made you guys decide that route versus more categories, kind of like a touch chat or something similar to like a lamp? So I'll say that, that and, and this is sort of our whole philosophy about this app is that, you know, we all come from the world of software. And the idea there is that you are very agile and are driven more by your curiosity than your confidence. And so all the answers that we'll give, we, we have opinions and philosophy about it, but the goal is to, to um, relate to the community of users and be able to really rapidly evolve the application to be what people need. Um, so that's, that's my first answer, which is to say, that, um, we're very open to being, uh, to being informed and educated by, by the community about what we need to do differently or in addition. So that being said, we did have an opinion when we started the app, which was to try and optimize for requesting. So, you know, in, in sort of the PEX phases, mm -hmm. one of the things you want to do is make sure that there is a, um, a really natural incentive for the, um, for the communicator in our case, cause we're focused on children with autism, I'll say, I'll say child or student to want to use the tool and to learn how to use it. And so requesting and for desired objects and desired foods and things like that and places and people seemed like a good place to start. And so to do that, we wanted to have front and center on our homepage, what those objects would be. Um, and that's why we optimized for this sort of transparency into the categories. The categories exist, they are actually in the app, but the homepage is sort of like a summary of each of the categories, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Can I can I talk to your point about about the uh, ninety seven percent of people who could yes. benefit from this? We're we're pretty aware of that, and and I will say we've started on the iPad, um, which is the most used uh, AAC technological device. So it's a, a natural place to start, and it's the one with the most sort of infrastructure around delivering the app. But it's always been our goal um, to try and get it to as many people as possible. And that one we've built it so that it should be fairly straightforward for us as as our uh, as we get going to be able to tra transport it over to Android where the devices are just a lot cheaper uh, and more available. And the other one is we have a commitment that for every 10 licenses that we sell, we're going to donate one for free. That's awesome. Um, I was about to ask like, how do you like the pricing structure? I was looking at it and it is $79 for the year, or $8 a month. Um, and, I, and I was going to ask you, how do you handle like people that want to try it, but don't have the funds to do that? 
So I like that donation idea. I do like that. <laughs> yeah. And we also, we have a 30-day free trial so everybody can try it out at first. Uh, and, and we're actually in the process of just, you know, literally we launched last month. So we're still sort of learning what is it that, that would be obstacles for people to try it? And we want to remove every obstacle that exists. So if it turns out that the 30-day free trial with the subscription model um, is an obstacle for people. We'll, we're, we're definitely open to exploring other models. And of course, we do know that like school districts and, and SLP clinics and things can't necessarily um, uh, sort of buy subscription software uh, per device. And so um, we're, we're looking at all of those ways. Essentially, our goal is to anyone who wants to use Lyra should be able to use Lyra. Right. I know some like companies will offer like a free download or whatever to the therapist so they can try it and then say oh this is something that you'd suggest to the parent um what i like about lyra is kind of mess looking around with it and, and and such was that a lot of times as slps we get locked into oh this is the only device that my student can use and it's the only one and this is the one that they will use from birth until death and the idea behind aac is that you know what if i just need quick access to words there's an app if i need a full robust set of vocabulary to discuss quantum physics there's a there's a set for that um why did you guys design design it the way you did so like the white background and it just was there anything like did lyra enjoy that or how did you guys come up with that design <laughs> <laughs> he's pointing at cat it's an it's, it's an interview <laughs> So I, I think there are, there are a few things that collided in, in, in terms of, you know, the decisions that we came to with the design. Um, a lot of it had to do with the conversations we were having with um, people. Um, and, and we've talked to everyone with, um, from, from speech language pathologists to um, teachers to adults uh, with autism. And so for us, we said, okay, the, the common theme here is that people in general, no matter who you're talking to and whatever product you're building, people want something that feels familiar. Um, for us though, we said, you know, familiar is a bit dated. So how do we, how do we take, um, how do we take this, this product that is so heavily dependent on and create something that is very, um, clear, um, and straightforward, um, and beautiful to use. And, and for us having that white background, for instance, um, means that the cards that sit on top of it, um, are emphasized. They're very clear to see. They're easy to see. Um, for me, immediately when I think textbook, I think uh, red binder with mm -hmm. cards on it, and um, and you know the the the, um, the sentence strip. And I just remember it always being this very jarring um, experience from from visuals to like cumbersome, like going through these million mm -hmm. pages. So um, for us, clarity um, across the board was key. And one other thing I'll add is that we we made a choice early on to uh, have most of our um, symbol cards uh, use photographs. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. The first one is that there's a fair amount of research that would imply that particularly for younger kids, that it's just easier for them to grasp and to be able to make the connection and extend the label from a symbol to the actual object if the symbol um, sort of resembles the object very highly. And literally a photograph is as, as close as you can get. Now that doesn't mean that you could do that for everything and you, we, we will have illustrations. We do have illustrations for certain words and as we add more and more core vocabulary and more abstract terms like descriptors and uh, pronouns and things like that, you, you obviously will be using 
um, illustrations for some of those things. But there is, I mean, I, you know, we kind of went back into the literature and, you know, back in 1989, there was a study by Miranda and Locke that showed that um, comparing symbol transparency is how they defined it, that the, uh, with the goal of matching a task to an object, they found the easiest task was to match the object to the object, then mm -hmm. followed by color photography, then followed by black and white photography, then miniature versions of the object, and then finally symbols. Actually, sorry, the, the, the hardest one was written words, but right. illustrative symbols, especially for younger kids in the preschool era, is, is a really a, a hard thing to translate into the real world. So. I know that some kids prefer symbols and and are like illustrations and cartoons and stuff, and that's fine. But that was why we started with this very photographic approach. I use lamp with some of my students, and mm -hmm. you know, it, it's funny. Like kids, their brains will adapt, and then they will be like, "Oh, we can do this." And I always laugh because some of the symbols with lamp, and I love the PRC uh, app. And mm -hmm. some of the parents will be like, what is that symbol for? And then we replace it with a real world picture. Sometimes, sometimes we replace it with an image that they're, they're uh, familiar with. Now I saw that you can add your own pictures and mm -hmm. was that using Google search for the Lyra app or how does that look? Cause I saw in the video where you typed in red car and a bunch of different red cars showed up. Right. Uh, is that using Google image or how is are those preloaded onto there or, or yeah, something that's else? Right. It's, it's actually using Bing image search, oh, which okay. is, you know, it's a search engine, Microsoft. but it's, it's exactly, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's filtered by my day job is I'm a designer at Microsoft. So I had a slight, a slight bias, but uh, essentially it's all kind of like uh, royalty free and copyright free images filtered. So you can get these very sort of iconic pictures and it's, I don't know, for, for me, I know I, I remember this, my own daughter, when the default sort of cartoon of a car didn't look anything like our right. car. Right. Um, and, and literally, like, we, we would call the car either, you know, you're getting in the red car, you're getting in the white car, whatever it is, you know, as part of, like, trying to give her a visual schedule of the day. And so, um, so being able to actually just say, just show me a picture of a red car can be really helpful. Now, of course, you can just go take a photo with your iPad and, and just have your own custom photo in there. But the nice thing about the image search that we liked is... You know the way a lot of these apps you kind of have to like program them in advance. Mm -hmm. We wanted to be able to like we're in the shopping mall and we want to we want to have a little social story about going to the grocery store. I wanted to be able to make that social story from new words that weren't in the app like on, on the spot, and so that's why we have the Google image search or sorry the Bing image search in there. So you can just be like boom, boom, boom. We're gonna get apples. We're gonna get washing powder. We're gonna go to the checkout. We're gonna call, talk to the cashier and make those four words in real time. That was part of the app that I love actually when looking at it was because of what you just said. There's so many times I'll be working in therapy and I'll be like, and you know, the mom will send me an email or a text and it's like, oh, we, you know, forgot to tell you before session started. Um, he's really like, or she's really liking whatever. Right. You know? Like what is the flavor of the day? For and you go, boys. huh, okay, well, let me quickly Google search or Bing search on my phone. And then let me take a screen picture with the device. Right. Like, well, as soon as you were like, or in the video, it types in red car and the website again is getlyra.com. But, um, you know, I was, I saw him just type in red car and all the images showed up and I was like, oh, that is, that's brilliant. Just use <laughs> Wi-Fi to grab that in there. Yeah. Um, how did, and I guess this is going to go towards Kat first. How did your background as ABA, and, and I have to reference first that there is some 
not happy thoughts between SLPs and ABAs. I work with a wonderful behavioral person who, and this is my theory on behavior, just so you know. So you know where I'm coming from. Sure. So so I we, fun, go ahead, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say we all want the same thing. You look at it from behavior, I look at it from communication. It's awesome. But, we can be working and, together. Right, so what's now, your thought? Now, we, now <laughs> we've landed here at Lyra and it's this happy world of I feel like for 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 someone the two have to collide somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, no, I, you know, it's funny because I um, I just had a conversation with someone yesterday where we were talking about ABA therapy. And I said, you know, I, I have this love-hate relationship with it. Um, I feel like to a certain degree, it's very mechanical. I feel like it's, it's a little bit cold. Um, it doesn't feel warm. Um, at the same time, you know, that's, that's like asking you know, what's, what's the difference between verbal and nonverbal? Like, I, I feel like even that in itself is a spectrum. Um, yeah. So for me, um, I think my background from, from school and then, and then working in special ed, um, it just gave me insight into the entire process. And I think even deep down then, you know, it, it was just a matter of, I want, I want, I want to, I loved solving problems. Um, and I loved, getting to this common goal of like helping um, people succeed and, you know, whatever success looks like um, for, for that particular individual. And, and so for me um, working on Lyra, it was, it, you know, it brought me back and, and you know, I focused heavily and tried to channel in on, um, you know, what, what each student was feeling um, and, and what success looked like for each of them and what those individual needs were and where the failures were happening. Um, and, um, and so I, I think just overall, um, bringing in a lot of what I loved about ABA and what I loved seeing the SLPs work on um, and, and what I didn't like about the two and, and kind of make sure that we delivered an overall like, really great experience um, for whoever was using the product. Because I think that's also like in this like forgotten community is is a group of people it's like a triangle there's the parents there's the educators and there's the the child slash student um so it's just like how do we how do we take this daunting experience um and i immediately think of weekends like anytime i think of daunting experience i think weekends um because for us it was like you know these you know these students don't have their pecs binder with them they have a different one with them did they bring these cards oh my goodness what if they go somewhere they don't have this, and then we know that it's going to be, um, it's going to be overwhelming for the parents. And it's just you know, next week when they come back, what does that experience look like? And so, for us, it was like, how do we, how do we change that? How do we, how do we give them something that scales that that mom or dad or whatever you know whatever guardian can use, and then they can come back to school and the SLP can continue with that same experience, um, familiarity, comfortability um you know a positive challenge um were all things that that we said you know and that i personally said you know how do we how do we uh, you know bake that into the product and we record this and and this is april so it is autism awareness this will be running probably during may which is better speech and hearing month here in the states and i'm reading on the blog and it says that this was a two-year uh two years of research but how much more time was actually when did you come up with the idea? And maybe this is more for March again, but when did you come up with the idea? Because 
this podcast was a two this podcast was a year research but it was something in the back of my brain since grad school eight right. years ago how when did you come up with the idea that like hey what's yeah. working for our daughter's not working i need to do something better I, I mean, I will say it was a very gradual accretion, right? Like when I, so I, I am first and foremost, a, a parent of a child with, with autism. So when she was first diagnosed eight years ago, I, I was at the, at the bottom of a very tall mountain um, where I was extremely ignorant about the condition and on the challenges and the therapies and the interventions. And I was sort of a slow climb up that mountain. So it was really several years before I w felt experienced enough to even start to critique the existing systems and how they were working for Lyra. My my wife, Kristen, who's another one of our founders, was actually further ahead um, the, than me on that and was starting to ask questions about, really, is this the right approach, right? Rather than doing what the experts told us, we were starting to say, well, what is right for Lyra based on what we know? Um, but I do think it was in in my head of like a dissatisfaction, not necessarily the goal to, to make something better, but a dissatisfaction with the tools that were available. And some of them were just because, you know, I mean, we live in this modern software world where your app automatically gets updated. And if you have like Spotify on your phone, mm -hmm. you can just have Spotify and then you go home and you can continue playing the same song on your PC, right? And it's seamless. Right. Why, why doesn't that exist for these AAC tools? So that was like starting to annoy me. And then also the the fact that a lot of the tools we we're using were overly complicated because they were trying to solve too many problems at once. Right. They were trying to pr provide a communication solution for everybody from like somebody with uh, a traumatic brain injury and therefore they have aphasia to some sort of uh, dystonia to varieties of different um, mental disabilities and challenges. And when you try to solve that many problems in, a, in a, an app or a program, it, you, you, it has to be very complicated. And therefore it's not really easy to use for anybody for any one of those scenarios. Mm -hmm. So those two things of like, why isn't this modern and why is it trying to solve so many problems really triggered me about about three or four years ago but honestly it was a it was a conversation as kat mentioned with kat and and one of our other founders her husband ben um who just have more experience with starting these sort of startups and companies and and apps than i do um where i basically complained to them and they were like dude let's just do something about this and that was when it turned into a real thing and that was about that was about two years ago yeah, I remember that moment too. We were sitting in our house in Berlin and, uh, you know, when we said to March, let's just do it, let's build it. He, he kind of looked at us like, you're, you're, you're nuts. You're just, <laughs> you're we've lost a cat. Um, and you know, I had, we, we had just had, um, our daughter, Emma. So he probably really thought I was losing it with, <laughs> with hormones, but, <laughs> but you know, we continued that conversation and, and, and the more we discussed it, uh, the more it became this reality and, and the more we realized it was a big problem. Um, and, uh, and, and like March said, you know, there are so much, um, there's so much, there's so, so many rather great apps out there that just bend the advancements of technology. And so we said, you know, how do we, how do we provide this automation and intelligence um, and ease of use and simplicity to a very complex, often um, difficult, um, you know, scenario. One of our co-founders, Lucas Stuber, he would be all over this right now and, and, and have so many technical questions because on mm -hmm. his free time, he builds 
AAC device devices out of like wow. the cheapest tablet and cheapest eye gaze just show oh, to show cool. that wow. you can do this. And right. and those are available if you look on YouTube under speech science. But uh, I think it's such a cool thing that you were able you guys are able as a team, there were five of you mm-hmm. to to look at a problem and, and say, Hey, what's working for you know, in your case March for our daughter isn't working. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the best apps I've ever used um, was designed by a parent who saw the SLP having a hard time taking data and just was mm-hmm. like, well, I'm going to create a better data collection app. And it's a great app, but um, I apologize. My two-year-old just walked in on me. Uh, um, don't apologize that is, for that. That has never <laughs> happened to me. Or rather, I should say that always happens to me. But my question to you guys is, is that it's just launched last month. Mm-hmm. What is it like now that you finally, I don't want to say rest because it's launched, but what's the next <laughs> steps with Lyra? How does it feel to actually get it out there? Uh, what's your thoughts? So uh, so I think for us, getting it out there was, it was just so liberating. Uh, it felt so good knowing it was finally out in the world because we had people beta testing. Um, but it's a very different uh, scenario when you actually launch and the we, you know we didn't do anything drastic in terms of um like launch press or what have you we posted it on social media we posted it on one of the um the tech um product discovery sites product hunt uh and it was amazing to watch that reach happen because it went from you know great feedback in the tech community to parents upon parents to slps uh, to teachers sharing it on, you know, everywhere on social media and, and the reception to it was absolutely wonderful. Um, and, and that, that didn't mean that, you know, random people on the internet, you know, were going to use it, but we got a lot of like, how do we help? And that's awesome. And yeah, for us, that was, you know, that was, you know, gratifying because then it became, well, actually, you know, we're not looking for anyone to join the team per se. But just spread the word. Tell someone who will tell someone who will tell someone. Share it, you know, shout it from the roof, rooftops. Um, and, and from that, you know, we, we really established a lot of connections that, you know, are now starting to come to fruition um, and really blossom. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's, an inter- it's a very energizing moment, right? Because it's, it's that moment when something comes, it's kind of a very internal project right where it only exists in the minds of a few people and and obviously it's sort of the work that we had done to build but you could at any moment say i'm not going to do anything more on this and it would just evaporate right like a dream right so then you you transition into that point where now it's real and people are using it and uh are are trying it out and asking questions and now i actually really like that feeling of now i feel a sense of responsibility yeah. and that's actually very motivating yeah. and so i was on the on the phone on a skype chat where we're you know we're so early that we're chatting with every customer that wants to talk to us so i was on a that's skype awesome with uh with a family in south africa uh who had just discovered the app and we're playing with it and we're using it in ways that we hadn't really um expected because again I, we were originally focused on this as being a simple speech app for children to to express their desires and requests initially and then for slps to be able to use it to model and and build up through the phases of pecs um but they actually discovered this usage of it where 
she um the 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 adult daughter of of the parents that i was talking with was using it to practice her pronunciation of words oh wow so she was using it to she would tap a word and then it would allow her to work on her articulation of it through repetition um which is great right that's like an exciting thing when when you (laughs) finding new value and uses for a product that you hadn't foreseen so that's very that's very energizing energizing i will say we're totally at the beginning right we're just starting and we expect, you know, people who are experts or, or customers who want to use it to be telling us, dude, why doesn't it do this thing yet? And why doesn't it have that? And why I want this thing and I don't want that thing. And that's great, right? That's just the way that we evolve the product to be what people need. Um, so more than anything else, we're kind of in a listening, high engagement, you know, anyone who sends us an email, we're like, cool, let's chat, you know, let's, <laughs> I, I want to hear from you. And that's that would be one thing I would say. I, I know I don't want to sound like an ad, but to any oh. <laughs> one listening to this who wants to try it out, uh, and if they have feedback and they're willing to give us 15 minutes on a Skype call, we will talk to anybody, and we would benefit from your expertise. And we're we're optimized to be able to very quickly respond to that feedback and push it into the app. Again, that's a very modern app thing, right? We can push updates to the app very quickly. You say that now until you get about a thousand emails of people going, "Hey." Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Before yeah. we, we wrap up, and, and some of the things I loved about it, and, and I'm looking at it and how I could use it in therapy as as a school-based SLP, I'm always looking for things that I can throw into my toolbox uh, of different apps. And, and I love the fact that I could use it with one student to kind of work on once and needs, and then I can use it in the next student if I have it on my personal iPad uh, as just a different version of therapy cards like i i love that that versatility of it where with some of my aac apps i really it's language only or the the sounds only what have we not talked about that you're like oh matt i wish you would ask a question about this i have i have one thing which i hope that you would appreciate as an slp because we built this feature just for you which is have you ever had that experience where um you're working with a parent and they have a kid and they um or a student and they they want you want to set up their AAC tool, whatever it is, in these specific categories with these specific words. Mm-hmm. But the way a lot of these apps work is is a that's going to take you hours, and b um, they're probably going to have to leave the device with you, right, in order to do that. Um, and that has that we had that experience with Lyra, and it just seems insane to me that that's the way that works. And so our whole system is you just would you would have the app on your device, and you just sign into that student's account. Oh. And then you can program it and instantly, like within a second, it will auto update on their version of the app. And so when you don't need to keep their device and then also hopefully we try to make it as easy as possible to add words, change categories. Uh, The categories are all like uh, tags. And so a word can appear in more than one collection or category. And so it should be pretty easy. So that thing of the, that piece of the, I have to spend two hours programming this client's um, uh, device and during that time I have to have a, taken the device away from them uh, that is one thing that we are sort of really wanted to make sure that we, we fixed that is so cool that, I love that. that that's like that's one of the problems I have all the time is like a parent will be like alright I'll just leave you the device and then you'll get it back to my son tomorrow and it's like yeah. maybe, maybe I might be able to do it at lunch like yeah Wow. And now that kid, and and where where for the kids who and, and our Lyra is one of them is, um, that device is her voice, and so mm-hmm. you're giving away her voice for like a day or two, just yes. sucks, right? Anyway, yeah. 
No, that's awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that. I did not realize that was a feature. Kat, well, is there anything that we didn't get to go to that you were like, oh, I wish you would have asked about that? Um, so March hit the cloud sync. Um, that was one that we uh, that we pressed heavily because of that simple fact. How do we make sure that um, time, you know, SLP time is never wasted and the student's voice is never taken away um, was something we put heavy em emphasis on. And so I'm glad you brought it up because I, I, I briefly mentioned like that continuity earlier, but I didn't mm -hmm. specifically as cloud sync. So I'm glad it, it, it got tossed in now. What has been... Uh before we wrap up, what has been one of the biggest hurdles with the Lyra app that you want to admit on a podcast? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 that's part of it. Um, I think, I think for us, like really understanding, um, the, the, the brokenness of the, how like payment in the education system works, especially here in the States has been a really interesting one because there's no consistency. Um, you know, each district, each, you know, local city, state, uh, nationwide, everything is really different. So understanding the best way to um, make it ridiculously easy to get um, SLPs or educators um, signed up has been, um, has been a bit of a pain. <laughs> um, but a good way because that it, it enables us to really craft an experience that um, that allows us to take less hassle away from you know people that are already dealing with this on a daily basis. Um, so yeah, I think for me that you know that it also results in um, making it a bit difficult to 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 easily get those people on board. Um, so you know, a hurdle that 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 we're tackling now. March, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I would iterate, I, I would reiterate that. I, I, I mean, the other thing is just that this is because it's a passion project. Mm -hmm. um, we always, it, you end up having to fit it into the margins of your life, as you, as you know, Matt. <laughs> with, with this podcast. We're and, interviewing uh, you. We're interviewing March at eight in the morning on spring break. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I appreciate that, Matt. Thank you. Um, yeah. So just you know, how do you when you see a problem in the world? How do you uh, go take the time to do it when no one is paying you to do it, when you don't really have the time to do it? Um, and just committing to doing something like that um, is, a, is a challenge. It's very rewarding, but it's, it's kind of like parenting, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's a lot of unpaid labor involved. <laughs> Uh, I just have to give you guys all five and, and who's the five. I know March and Kat yeah. and then March. I don't know your wife's name. Uh, her name is Kristen. So Kristen and then Kat, your husband, Ben, Ben. Yeah. And then who was the fifth? Asa. Asa. Yeah. yeah okay. he's, he's over in Oregon. Oh, okay. uh, actually he just, he just had a new baby. He literally, while we were launching his wife <laughs> had their second child, how dare him have a baby <laughs> during launch. <laughs> yes. But I, I give you guys credit because I have a five and a two-year-old and when there's a problem or a situation that arises that I deem a problem, I want to fix it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I don't have the skills to fix it. And I just wait on somebody else to tell me how to fix it. Mm -hmm. And you guys saw, you know, the problem with losing your voice or having to keep mm -hmm. it there that you were able to come up with a solution and, and you have the background to do it. That is just, I, I, that's one of the reasons I was excited when you, you emailed me to be on the show. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it because it's not like you said, oh, I'm creating an AAC app to sell 
to everybody to make to make lots of money. It was, yeah. hey, my daughter had had a situation, and mm-hmm. I want to help that. And I think that is such a cool thing that that's one of the reasons I wanted you guys on air. And I just want to give you guys as much props as I can. All your whole team of five that yeah. you're not able just to get it launched, but you're able to get it. I guess, yeah, get it launched. Not just create it, but get it launched out there. That That's such a cool idea. Like, I, I want you guys to truly know that those of us on Speech Science love that idea. Well, thanks very much, Matt. We really appreciate <laughs> it. And, and your podcast is really inspiring for us. And I love, for me, the, the combination of the expertise, but then the humanity, right? The reality <laughs> of it, uh, is really great to listen to. It's inspiring as well, just to know and to hope to feel like a part of that community. Well, we will send all whatever thousands of our listeners your way. So be careful. Uh, So how do they, (laughs) so get Lyra.com, go over the details one more time, everything that they need to know if they're going to go look for it on the app. Is it just Lyra app or what is it when they do the iTunes or whatever that search? Yeah. If you search for a Lyra app, it'll, it'll come up in the, in the iTunes app store. Um, if um, there's a few things with the with the name Lyra, so if you want to be specific, you could uh, type in Lyra Autism or Lyra Simple to Speech, um, and it'll pop right up, and you can download a download the the app right there. And then there's videos and blog posts and stuff like that about how to use the app on getlyra.com. Um, and if you have any questions, thoughts, feedback, you can just shoot an email to hello at getlyra.com. Uh, and we will get back to you immediately, and and we'll even ask you if you want to chat on the uh, on the phone <laughs> so we can understand your specific needs. Awesome. Well, before you guys, before we end, do you guys want to promote anything else or any side projects or anything that way? Other side projects besides the Lyra app? <laughs> can, can I promote one of cats? Is that okay? Go for it. Yes. Uh, th- this is more of a. This is a. Unless you're a designer, this won't necessarily be a, a thing that you're passionate about. But one of um, a, a Kat's other projects is about trying to make sure that designers design products that are um, accessible. And specifically, she built this super cool tool, um, which allows designers who are doing visual work to uh, test to make sure they're using things like color, the right colors, the right contrasts, so that whatever website or app they're building um, will be accessible to everybody regardless of their vision capabilities. So I'm just, I'm just, she won't promote this herself. And so I just wanted to <laughs> shout out that Kat is a, is a very inspiring individual in and of her own right. Thank Kat, you. Thank you. That's, Kat, that's awesome. Remember when I said, hey, how did you all come up with the design? That's where you just subtly go, oh, by the way, I do this thing on the side. That's so cool. <laughs> thank you. Thank you much. Sure. Well, thank you guys so much for sitting down with us. No, thanks for having me. Thanks, Matt. Welcome back to episode 93 of Your Speech Science Podcast. I'm Matt Hot, joined down south, Michelle Wintering. Hi again, Matt. And the East Coaster, Michael McLeod. What's up, buddy? Guys, I have a story just for Michael. Michael, your state of Pennsylvania has so many kids in special ed that they need to re-look at funding to make sure that they can pay for the services they need. Doesn't that sound like a good way to look at the story? Yeah, I was pretty much waiting for an article like this to come out. Uh, (laughs) I know a lot of speech pathologists here, OTs, PTs, a a lot of them, especially working in early intervention. uh, I know for a fact a lot of them worked all summer long 
without getting paid. Whoa, really? Yeah. So it, yeah, it was a it was a it was a rough summer. I, we got a lot of emails from uh, from a lot of the EI organizations out here about uh, Governor Tom Wolf and all the different funding and when it's going to be received and when it can be distributed out. So yeah, it's been a it's been a rough couple of months. Uh, back in 2013, there was a commission from Pennsylvania Special Education Funding Commission uh, that developed a funding formula that gave student districts deemed to have the greatest need additional dollars. However, uh, due to increase in student populations, they need to relook at that again. And I know this is a battle that's being fought in every state across the country. Uh, I believe uh, there was a look here in Ohio to change the way schools are funded in general to look at the Kentucky model. And Michelle, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way they do it in Kentucky, the way I believe that they told us up here is that they collect all the tax dollars at the state level and then they divvy it out per student to the individual district. Is that correct? Um, you are asking someone who has only lived here not a year yeah, and doesn't it. work in the schools <laughs> or have a kid in the schools. So I'm not sure. Where I know in Ohio, the way school districts are funded is that your individual school district, the housing and the businesses, they put the taxes back into that individual district, which can create very rich districts that are lucky to have very uh, fluent family members living there and great businesses and great business partners. And then you have some very poor school districts that are unfortunately maybe uh, the GM motor plant pulled out and a lot of people lost their jobs. And unfortunately they lost their tax dollars along with them. Yikes. Yeah. 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 How many stories have we read where these low income families in these low areas are just it, 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 it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible what they're dealing with in terms of access to services. And um, I remember a long time ago, uh, we did a story about, uh, I think it was in England or Ireland, where it, they did like a raffle based on zip codes to see if you were able to access your services. Cool. Uh, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's a service that is mostly free for families, uh, early intervention, speech language pathology services. But the funding has to be there from the from the politicians and from the from the governmental bodies. So this is something that is crucial to our field, especially with you know everything going on that we hear about with uh with PDPM, I believe it's pronounced right, mm -hmm, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, everything there with the with, at SNFs. Uh, early intervention is crucial, and it's um and all of the research shows the lifelong benefits of appropriate early intervention. So this is something that we need to constantly be in the forefront of and be very aware of uh, what's going on on the political level. We need to just change. We, we need to fight, like you said, Mike, we need to fight for our kids. But I really do feel like we need to look at how tax dollars are spent on education. I'm trying to look up uh, in Kentucky. It's called Special Education Excellence in Kentucky. Um, and that is just for the special ed, uh, this, the the special education side. So I'm looking up for a couple more things, but it's realistically not fair to students. If I live next door to the rich school district, that their kids are going to get more because I'm one block over uh, for my son. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. There are parents currently serving jail time for lying about their home address just so their kids can go to a school that has 
uh, appropriate lunches and recess time and food and, and a, a better education overall. It's, it's, it's amazing how uh, they're serving longer jail sentences than that full house mom who, who, who basically gave millions of dollars so her daughter could go to school. It's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really- I know that happened in Ohio as well. Yeah. I remember stories so th- of that with, uh, you know, saying they lived at an aunt or an uncle's house and they didn't yep. or whatever it is to, to try to get that, you know, three mile away, 10 mile away school district that has the resources. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, and pay- that's why things like Teach yeah. for America and other organizations exist is because there, there are communities that are so underserved and don't even have textbooks. I mean, you're looking exactly. at it's that's a whole nother we could have a podcast every week just Mm -hmm. on that i remember when i was looking at this field in the speech and language pathology and there was a job offer on the northeast side of ohio and the introductory teacher salary was twenty seven thousand dollars that's that's common for teachers to start at that right and it's sad and it was like well i can't afford to work there like And imagine the kids as they as their teachers are coming in. I don't even know, man. Like, just perturbs me when it comes to funding of stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really bad. That's really, really bad. I wasn't going to get as angry about this, but the more I'm letting it ooze into me, I'm I'm starting to seethe a little bit about it. Yep. Is it as bad, like... In, in Ohio, I know that there are the haves and the have-nots. I've worked at a have-not and I've worked at a have uh, in the school districts. Is it the same way in Pennsylvania? Oh, absolutely. Oh, and just in Philly. Everywhere. Yeah. Every, all over the state. It's, it's, there's certain areas that have incredibly good public schools and certain areas that have unbelievably bad public schools to the point where they can't retain teachers, the schools get shut down, there's asbestos all over the school. Awesome. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and the big thing here in Pennsylvania is the private schools. There are so many unbelievably expensive private schools that are pretty much more name than anything else. And that, a lot of the public schools are charter schools now too, right, in yep, Philly? Yep. And they wow. make it – and. and Pretty much, they make it very, very clear that you know this is this is uh, it's basically a privilege to go to these schools, and it's it's a it's a very, very clear line between the haves and have-nots, no doubt about it. We want to hear from you. What is your school district like? What is the funding situation at home? Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. Email us, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com, or give us a phone call, 614-681-1798, or on the social medias, it's hashtag SSPod. After the show, I think I'm going to have to ask my wife, because she went to a Pennsylvania public school, and what her opinions are on those. Last story, and I thought this would be a fun one because there's no controversy at all to this one. Uh, this is from the American Journal of Speech Language and or Speech Language Pathology. Uh, Nancy Porter, Yves uh, Nivergelt, and Mark Van Dam uh, looked at tongue strength in children with and without speech sound disorders. Guys, this is the proof I need to do tongue-based strengthening exercises for articulation skills, right? 
Well, did you look at the conclusions or no? <laughs> no, didn't look at the conclusions. <laughs> Let me scroll down. This is going to be all the proof I ever need. Where is it? Where is it? It's probably at the top. And it says... Weak tongue strength does not appear to contribute to speech errors in children with speech down sound delays, but does appear to be related to speech sound disorders that are neurologic in origin. Hmm. So my tongue base with resistance exercising does not seem to help on most articulation. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, this oh. goes, there's other studies that cover this as well, but, um, Here's the results for this one. For all groups, tongue strength increased rapidly from age three to six and a half and continued to increase at, to increase at a slower rate until 17 years of age. Children with uh, speech delays, their tongue strength did not differ from their typically developing peers, children and adolescents with um, MSD. What did they say is that? I'm sorry. Motor speech disorders. There we go with motor speech disorders had decreased tongue strength compared to children with typical development or speech delays. So it sounds like they're differentiating between speech delay and disorder and a motor speech disorder. Exactly. Well, yep. I'm going to change my therapy back. <laughs> there you go. One article changes everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, how many times though do you see new clinicians come out and they will do you know, I'm going to make your tongue move and I'm going to use this tongue depressor to try to improve the strength. I mean, I think there's a point where if you're trying to teach a kid, um, what is it? Proprioception? Like the and the idea placement, of, the actual, yeah. yeah. Like I've done that before with, with a patient that had uh, cancer on the tongue and with new movement of the tongue, we were just teaching how to feel where the new spots in your mouth were. I told her this wasn't going to help improve anything other than maybe she'll not bite her tongue as much when she's talking or eating. But there are some therapists that just don't know what to do. And they try to do these tongue strengthening exercises for every articulation kid because they think that's what you need to do. This reminds me of uh, a lot of the executive function uh, students I work with. Mm -hmm. where a lot of the parents will try like those, those apps, those brain mm. training apps, like Lumosity and things like that. Yeah. And, and, and they'll ask for the research on that and the benefits of that. And I basically just tell them all those apps are going to do is make you better at those apps. You're not going to, it's not going to improve your executive functioning, your intelligence or any, or problem solving or anything like that. You're just going to get a higher score the more you play. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I I mean, I feel bad for new therapists that do this kind of stuff. And then, you know, there's research to be done on, on I guess, the motor, the motor side of this all. But, you know, there are things that you can do when you're looking at tongue movement, when you're looking at articulation. I work with, with middle school kids, and sometimes it's, I just want them to feel what it feels like to have your tongue as far out of your mouth as possible. I want you to feel what it's like to have your tongue behind your teeth. You know, I'm having them do something goofy for no other reason than I just want them to feel that tongue placement. Do you do a lot of our tick, Mike, or do you try to avoid that? Um, I definitely try to avoid it because it's not my my overall <laughs> main thing, but it's pretty pretty much impossible to do. Well, try to avoid the articulation is impossible to do. Yeah, they're always going to come around. They're always going to yeah. come knock come knocking. 
in the background is my articulation developing child, the three-year-old screaming. So I apologize to everyone at home. But, you know, I mean, there are some things that I, I really like working with our kids, actually. Really? I do. Like, on the articulation side, I really do like working with the R kids because they're a little bit harder to do. And Michelle joins us again with her baby speech science hanging out on her lap. My son, Andrew, running around in the background screaming. This has now become the child podcast as as we talk about articulation in the young ones. What is your go-to thing for the R's? So I've been rocking some five-minute therapy. Are you familiar with this? You can describe it for our okay, audience. So five-minute therapy Hi is guys, where sorry. I... I'm back. <laughs> Hi, Michelle. So five-minute therapy is where I work with the student for uh, five minutes every day. And what we'll do is if I'm getting an R kid, what I'll do is I'll have them sit down and we'll do what I call calisthenics for the R. And I'll have them say re, re, ro, um, ri, ra, and something else. I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Um, and then I'll have them do ear, air, R, ire, and then or, and then whichever one sounds the best, I'll just do in that three and a half, four minutes, try to get 40 to 50 samples in that time. Okay. Do you ever do like the, the thing where they open their mouth as wide as they can and they start with an open vowel, ah, and then slowly bring their jaw up into an R? No, I, I'm working with more older kids. So okay. the, sometimes it's, I found that if I'm just like, let's just get down to business and get this done. They're more willing to try therapy than sit with their, try something new. Does that work? Or is that just a, a thing? Yeah. It, yeah. You can try it. Like you basically, okay. you basically start with uh like open your mouth as wide as you can. And you start with an ah, and you do the sustained phonation ah for as long uh, as you can. And then you slowly bring your jaw up. Don't, don't, oh, cool. don't, don't protrude your lips. Don't protrude. Okay. Just, spr- uh, just bring your, and then it, and oh. then, and then you find you find that sweet spot. And some people need the jaw down. Some people need it up. Everyone finds their own R sweet spot. So you, so you open your mouth as wide as you can and do ah, and then bring uh, your mouth and then close it slowly into an R. There you go. Just oh, like that. Okay. Just like that. Just like that. So everyone finds that everyone is in a different spot. So everyone finds, and then you have them just like you do a sustained phonation. You have them hold that R for as long as you can. There's somebody at home driving and going, why is Matt doing that in my ears i hate that. they're also right. trying to do it now don't worry i know right everyone in your car do that what what mike just said that's why we are the number one podcast on top the 30 in medical field just saying that's guys right. i would love to keep talking with you but i think we should send this thing home we had a good discussion i'm glad we covered the topics we covered today yeah that was nice that was really cool that loud was a discussion loud movies no money you know it's good it's the things you talk about with your friends. If you have an idea, that, we would love to hear it. Head over to our website, speech. <laughs> speechsciencepodcast.com. Let us know what you want. Michelle, you've got the baby in your lap. What are you doing next week? Well, um, you know, I share a birthday with a certain youngest person in the hot household. So, And when this airs, that was three days Friday. ago. <laughs> And when this airs, that was three days ago, Michelle. Happy birthday. There you go. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're going to see family for the birthday weekend because I also have a niece who shares that birthday. Oh. So we are celebrating. Well, if you are driving through on Sunday, 
Andrew's birthday party is at our house, and you are more than welcome to drop in and get some food and take a break from driving from Columbus. Just saying. Mike. That would be so fun. I won't be driving on Sunday. Sorry. Uh, Mike, you are more than welcome to come, too, but I know you're not coming through Ohio. What are you doing next week? Uh, That's a good question. Uh, Pretty much just continuing the programs that I'm doing and uh, hopefully uh, visiting some more schools and meeting some more new people. So hopefully not not, uh, sitting in one room for too long. Hopefully doing some more uh, some more traveling around Philly. Nice. Yep. Um, when this airs, I will be helping my son's pack den do another Boy Scout meeting, and we're going to be getting ready for our spookery, which is the haunted Boy Scout campout, and also doing some do therapy. And I've got to change my schedule again. I've been numbering my schedule and sending them out, and it's almost at a joke at this point that I am now going to be starting schedule number six. Uh, as I have to rearrange my schedule almost weekly wow. at this point to find the sweet spot. Well, you don't want to pull a kid from a class they're, they're struggling in. You don't want to pull a class from the, or a kid from the class that they really enjoy. You got to find the class where they're just there, but getting decent. Gr- it's uh, guys working at a school's tough. Yeah, it is. You're in the trenches. <laughs> Uh, we want to hear from you in the trenches, though. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. Email us, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. Give us a phone call or a text, 614-681-1798, hashtag SSPod. And also go to our website over at patreon.com slash speechsciencepodcast. But if you don't do any of that, what we would love for you to do is rate, review, and share us because that helps us get our message out to everybody. And we have a tendency to like what we're talking about so we hope you do as well our intro music is please listen carefully by jazar it's licensed under an attribution and share alike license our bump music is the county fair rock copyrighted john deku find him over at soundcloud.com slash dirt dog music and our closing music playing right now is the slow burn by kevin mcleod it's licensed under a creative commons attribution license in a couple of weeks We'll see you at ASHA for Michelle Wintering and Michael McLeod. I'm Matt Hot. Until we see you at the XPN booth, so long, everybody. And in Janice Wright's words, always be a willow. <laughs> Perfect timing. You <laughs> sounded so sad. <laughs> oh, bye, baby speech science. <laughs>